Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And this is our grand finale cook-along. Today, we are going to walk through every step of our first season's mystery recipe. I highly encourage you to cook right along with this episode. We designed it so that you can listen and cook in real time. In case you missed it, in our last bonus episode, we invited our official ingredient guesser, Zoe, back to help us put all the pieces together from season one. She helped us figure out that today's recipe will be the delicious one-pot pasta from America's Test Kitchen Kids. In our most recent bonus episode, we also talked through what equipment and ingredients we'll be working with today. So if you haven't listened, you may need to hit the grocery store before cooking with us. In that episode, we also recommended you print out our one-pot pasta recipe, just so you can have all the instructions and measurements close at hand. Even just having it pulled up on a computer or a phone will help. You can find this full recipe at atkkids.com slash one pot pasta. A few months ago, which feels like a lifetime ago these days, Zoe and I cooked this recipe together. So you'll be hearing her and I in the recipe lab as we go step by step. I'll also be chiming in from the studio with extra instruction where needed. And please don't feel rushed. We have built in spots to pause the episode and make sure everyone has enough time to complete each step. You can also pause anytime you want. Even if we don't exactly tell you to, there is no rushing in the kitchen. Everyone cooks at their own pace. But before we get started, let's all do a quick kitchen dance to our theme song. Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh, the short of the tomato sauce. Mystery recipe. All right. Always good to start any recipe off with a kitchen dance. The other thing to do before we start any recipe is wash our hands. So let's go ahead and wash our hands right now. Now, before we get cooking, let's take a minute to make sure we have all the ingredients we'll need. Here are the ingredients we'll be working with today. Don't worry about measurements yet. We'll have time to measure everything out in a moment. We just wanna make sure you have what you'll need close at hand. Try and see if you can tap each item as we call it out. Extra virgin olive oil. One onion. Salt. Four cloves of garlic. One 28 ounce can of crushed tomatoes. Sugar. Penne pasta. Water. Basil. And Parmesan cheese. 
And for our equipment, today we recommend having these items ready to use. One Dutch oven, or a large heavy stock pot or saucepan. One wooden spoon, one ladle, one kid-friendly knife, or one grown-up to help with the dicing. One cutting board. Three small dishes for your measured ingredients and two large ones. One can opener for your crushed tomatoes. A dry measuring cup. A liquid measuring cup. And measuring spoons. One teaspoon and a quarter teaspoon. And we'll be using a stovetop today, so no need to preheat the oven. Great! Now that we have everything we need, it's time to learn our first new words. We are going to start this recipe with a mise en place. Mise en place is a French phrase that means set up and is all about having your ingredients measured out and organized before you start cooking. That way you have everything measured and ready to add to your pot or pan. So when you start cooking, you aren't looking for your can opener or trying to chop an onion while your pasta water boils over. Now, let's head over to the recipe lab where our friend Zoe is ready to help me mise our ingredients. All right, Zoe, what are we cooking? We're cooking one pot pasta. Yes, we are. Very excited. This is an awesome dish. All right, so the first ingredient is extra virgin olive oil, which we know so much about now. So we're gonna need two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil. Here's the olive oil. And a bowl. One tablespoon, do you wanna measure out two tablespoons of that? And I like sure. to put everything in little bowls. So Makes it's sense. just right there on the table and ready to go. Should I do it over the bowl? Yeah, perfect. That way if you spill a little bit, it'll just go right into where we're going in the so end. that's one and two. Perfect, so we have two tablespoons of olive oil. The next ingredient is salt, which we also know a lot about. You can stick it in a little mise bowl. So we need about a teaspoon. A teaspoon. There you go. It's good to get a full teaspoon there. A teaspoon of salt actually looks like a lot, but it's not. It's a perfect amount for what we're doing here. Perfect. Next up is tomatoes. So we have one 28 ounce can of crushed tomatoes. We need to open it. So here's the can opener. Do you want to do the honors? All right. We have officially taken the top off of this can of tomatoes. We're just gonna leave it open right here for the moment. And then we're gonna move on to our next ingredient, which is? A quarter teaspoon of sugar. Exactly, so I, this is the ingredient that I think is the most surprising. It's only a tiny, tiny amount, but it's gonna add some really nice flavor to our sauce. Got it. Perfect, now I can stick it in that tiny little bowl. Tiny little bowl for tiny little bit of sugar. Tiny little bit of sugar. 
And then next we move on to the main event. So we're actually gonna measure out our pasta before we cook it. What kind of pasta is that? Penne rigatti. And what does it look like? It's like little tubes, but it's got the pointed ends. Great. So we're gonna do three and three quarters of a cup. You can be super loose. Measuring dry pasta is not a size. That's perfect, yeah. You can be... We've got a little extra. Yeah, you can be a little casual with the pasta measuring because they're all weird sizes, mm -hmm. so they don't evenly fit in a measuring cup. They're pretty uniform, but... You're not gonna get it smooth as if you would like a liquid. Exactly. So next up is three cups of water. So that's two cups. So fill that up. Pour it in here. And now one more cup. And one more cup. Some of you at home might actually have a three cup measure. And then you can just do it in one, one fell swoop, but mine is smaller. Great, we are almost done with our mise. In just a moment, we're going to prepare our onion and garlic, but those are a little more involved. If you are still getting the first few ingredients measured, feel free to pause here and hit play again when you are ready to learn how to dice an onion and mince some garlic. All right, here we go. And the next ingredient harkens back to our first week of podcasting. It's the onion. There it is. All right. So for all of you guys at home, we're going to chop an onion. And that's something that kids can do if they're a little bit older and they have experience with knives. Otherwise, grown-ups don't hesitate to do it yourself. But Zoe, I think you're... You're good to go with this, so I'll talk you through how I like to chop onions and how I like to do it safely. I'm here in the studio because it's time to learn something new. I'll pop in like this every once in a while when we learn a new technique or are ready to head to a different segment. But for now, let's talk about how to dice an onion. We'll begin by having the grown-ups start to prep, or mise, our onion. First thing you want to do is trim the top of the onion, the bit at the top where all the crinkly skin meets at the opposite end of the root, like a little onion ponytail. Once that top is trimmed off, cut the onion in half through the root end. That means cutting the onion vertically in half, like a hot dog, and not horizontally in half, like a hamburger. Once the onion is cut in half like a hot dog, Peel the crinkly outer skin off so we have just the yummy white onion left. Now's a good time to pass things back to your young chef if they already have a little experience with a knife. And if you want to see this technique while I explain it, you can go to atkkids.com onions to see photos in our article, How to Chop an Onion. Back in Onion Week, we learned all about how to hold an onion using the bear claw. In case you missed it, the bear claw is a safe and easy way to securely hold something in place while you chop it. To use the bear claw, place your onion halves flat down on the cutting board. Now, curl your fingers in and under so your knuckles are pointing out. It's called the bear claw because it looks like you're making a paw. 
bear claws are great for cutting, but also great for scratching each other's backs. Okay, back to work over there. Grab the half onion with your bear claw so the onion is secure on the cutting board and your fingers are out of the way of the knife. You'll place the onion so the root end is facing away from you. Starting about one inch away from the root end, you're going to make vertical slices down the onion, leaving that last inch on the root end uncut. That's going to keep all of these vertical slices together. So you should be making these vertical slices all the way across the onion, leaving that last inch by the root end intact. Take a minute for this part. We don't want to distract you while you're using a sharp knife, so here's some music to help you concentrate. If you're still making your vertical slices, you can hit pause right here, and then hit play again once you're done. Now, spin the onion so that the root end is facing away from your preferred hand. If you're a righty, the root end faces the left. If you're a lefty, it faces the right. Making sure you still have your bear claw, you're going to start making vertical slices across the whole onion. These should be going across your first cuts and will make the onion split into pieces as you cut it. This is a quick and easy way to dice an onion. Keep making those slices across your first cuts and your half an onion should be diced in no time. Once you finish with your first half of the onion, repeat these steps for the second half. And while you finish dicing both halves of the onion, I'm gonna check in with Zoe and see how she's doing with this in the recipe lab. Remember, bear claw your fingers. Exactly. Good job. And keep attention on your thumb in particular when you bear claw so that doesn't get underneath the onion. Perfect. And that's good, you can leave that off to the side, the, the last little bit of the onion you don't need. So remember, the first thing you do with the second half is cut down. And you don't need to go all the way through to the end there. You wanna leave a little bit of onion at the root end so it doesn't fall apart. And you can hold it together to make the little small cubes. Exactly. All right. And now take your hand and keep it as a bear claw in the back there. You wanna, there you go. Perfect. And now you flip the onion so it's lengthwise, keeping that bear claw, and you go down through it. Makes a really satisfying sound. Crunches. Totally. It's a little bit of papery stuff on the top. Yeah. We can pull that off afterwards too. I think one of the most important things to remember as you're cooking is that if you make mistakes, doesn't matter. It will still be delicious in the end, and I think that's one of the best ways to learn. Mistakes are always the best way to learn. Unless you can do it perfectly. But I don't think I've ever done a recipe perfectly myself. Me neither. Okay, great. Now you're doing a little bit more chopping. We're almost there. 
That's perfect. And they definitely don't need to be all the same size because we're gonna be cooking them as part of a pasta dish and they're gonna cook down. So this looks great, Zoe. I think that you have nailed the onion chopping. You know, these onions are starting to make me cry. Well, we know all about why onions make you cry now. We needed our goggles. True. We didn't bring any goggles. If you aren't done dicing your onion, feel free to hit pause here. And once you finish, take a moment to either compost or throw away the ends of the onion and your crinkly skin. It helps when you can clean up as you go during a recipe. If you're having any trouble with this step, be sure to head to atkkids.com onions for some photos that may help. All right, after you are done dicing your onion, gather it all onto one side of your cutting board or go ahead and put it in its own bowl if you have one. You want to make some room for your garlic cloves, which you'll be mising next. So you want to cut our garlic cloves into tiny pieces, called mincing, so that you release all the great garlic flavor throughout your sauce. In order to mince your garlic, you're going to work on one clove at a time. If you have a garlic press, feel free to use that. We love those. But in case you don't, here's a fun way to mince. Remember, for this recipe, we need four cloves of garlic. Grab one garlic clove. You're going to do this in three simple steps. Smash, peel, and cut. For your first step, grab something kind of heavy to use to smash the garlic clove. Maybe a dry measuring cup, a bowl, or even a mug. Whatever you have nearby that's solid with a flat surface on the bottom. So you're going to use this to crush the garlic clove, but don't smash it down like you're playing whack-a-mole. You're gonna place your measuring cup or mug or bowl on top of the garlic clove gently, and then push down as hard as you can, really leaning into it to use your weight to help you. Then really wiggle it around on top to flatten it out as much as possible. It makes a satisfying squashing sound too. Great. So now that your clove is nice and smashed up, you can easily take the peel or the crinkly skin off and should be left with a pale beige garlic clove, now all smashed up. Next, you're going to cut the garlic. Put one hand on the handle of the chef's knife and then rest the fingers of your other hand on top of the blade. And using a rocking motion, pivot the knife as you chop the garlic repeatedly, cutting it into very small pieces. You'll want to run the knife across it a few times so you're left with tiny pieces. All right, you just minced your first garlic clove and you should have three more. We don't want you to get distracted while using a knife, so we're going to play some jams here while you keep on mincing. Remember, smash, peel, cut.
we are all out of mincing music. If you aren't quite done mincing your garlic, feel free to hit pause here and hit play again when your garlic is good to go. And with that, you should have our mise en place in place. You are ready to start cooking. Before we get this recipe started, we have a quick word from our sponsors. Then it's time to get cooking. Grown-ups, this ad is for you. Hey, grown-ups. I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Kroger family of stores. If you're anything like me, it's easy to let grocery shopping fall to the bottom of your to-do list. Kroger's grocery delivery service has taken the stress out of the process. You don't even need to leave your house. Shop online and get fresh groceries delivered to your house in as little as an hour. Shopping couldn't be simpler. It's easy to find the items you buy often, or you can search for exactly what you're looking for. Then schedule a delivery time that works for you and get back to what matters most. Save time and order online with Kroger's Grocery Delivery. Learn more at Kroger.com. Hey, grown-ups! Having trouble getting your kids to eat their vegetables? As a parent, I get it. Some kids will do whatever it takes to avoid eating their veggies. So, I suppose the most undiplomatic thing I could do, I have never done this, is throw your plate against the wall. It's also the first thing that comes to mind. Been there, thought that. I've hid them in my napkin, but my mom ended up finding out and she told me to eat it and it was torture. Um, I pushed them around on my plate to make it look scattered so I ate more than I actually did. And I both said that I'm full. Purdue has the answer. With the new Purdue Chicken Plus, there's a quarter cup of veggies hidden in every serving. They even come in fun shapes, like dino nuggets. So you'll get less of this. So the bowl was on the table and I swiped it with my arm and it fell off and shattered into pieces. And more of this. Um, Learn more at purdue.com slash ATK. That's P-E-R-D-U-E dot com slash ATK, where you'll find some great recipes and coupons for your next meal. All right, we are back. Let's head into the lab and get this recipe started with Zoe. Okay, Zoe. We have all of our equipment here. The Dutch oven is on the stove. That's that big, heavy blue pot. Wooden spoon is right here. And then later, we'll need a ladle to serve it. But other than that, we are ready to start cooking. All right, then let's cook. All right, Studio Molly here. Before we start this next step, we want you to know that this step might be a little different for everyone, depending on what type of Dutch oven, pot, or pan you're using. It might take a few seconds if you're using a stock pot, or it might take a few minutes if you're using a thick Dutch oven. But you wanna heat your stovetop over medium heat, and you want your oil to be hot, but not smoking. When it's ready, it should be almost glistening. It will have a little movement, like tiny little waves forming. Go ahead and pause here and give this a try and hit play again once your oil looks ready to go. And when you move on to the next step, remember that this oil is hot, so watch out for splashes. All right, so what we're gonna do next is add the onion and the salt. So here's the onion, dump it right in. You can use your fingers to get out the last little bits if you want. And salt. 
Isn't it nice to have everything just totally prepped and organized and just dump it into the pot? Definitely makes it all easier. You can take this wooden spoon and start stirring it around in there so all of the little pieces of onion get coated with the oil and the salt. We're gonna cook the onion for about five minutes so it gets nice and soft. And you're gonna wanna stir it as you go every so often so that none of the little pieces of onion get burnt. Wanna distribute the heat evenly. Stirring often probably means every 15 seconds or so. I actually like to just stand in front of the pot and stir, chat and stir for five minutes. Just like you're doing right now, Zoe. So you're going to let these onions cook down for about five minutes. Keep stirring every 15 to 30 seconds. And if it starts to really spit oil, feel free to turn the heat down a bit. Great, let's get to our first segment. Molly, oh thank goodness, you're still here. Oh, hey Mitzi, I'm so glad to see you. I was just about to cut to our first segment. I thought you'd be cooking because the cook-along is is it over yet? I want to make sure we have time for tricky trivia. Oh, Mitzi, I'm sorry. I didn't really make a tricky trivia for today's episode. Oh, uh, I know you didn't make any trivia for today. I did. Did you really? Yeah. Get ready for safety trivia. I'm still kind of workshopping the title. Throwing things at the wall, seeing what sticks, uh, you know, like a safety time or, you know, time to be safe or uh, trivia for being safe. I don't know. I love it. Okay, so how do we play safety trivia? So I'm going to read you some facts about safety, and you have to tell me if you think they're true or false. All right, Molly, here's your first one. Everything inside the oven gets hot when you're baking. So, is this true or false, Molly? Does an oven heat up everything inside when you're baking? Hmm, I think that everything is kind of a big word, but in this case, it might be the right one to use. The oven isn't sending heat just to my cookie dough. I'm putting my cookie dough into, like, a very hot room. I say true. That's right, Molly. Great job. When you are using the oven... Everything on the inside gets very hot. That means your cookies will bake to perfection, sure. But it also means the baking sheet they're sitting on will get very hot as well. Everything is a big word, but in this case, it's the right word. The racks in the oven heat up. The inside of the oven door gets very hot as well. Everything on the inside of the oven is hot when you are baking. Great job, Mitzi. Thank you, Molly. This is so much fun. I've learned so much from Tricky Trivia all season. It's great to be the expert this time. Okay, are you ready for your next question? Ready. True or false? You only have to wash your hands before you start cooking. So, Molly, is this true or false? Should you just wash your hands before you start to cook? Hmm, this is a good question, Mitzi. It is definitely important to wash your hands before you start cooking. There's no doubt about that. But I'm not sure it's the only time you should do it. Only is another one of those big words. I'm sure there are other times when it's important to wash your hands in the middle of a recipe. So I'll say false. Right again, Molly. I expected nothing less from you. 
While it is important to wash your hands before you cook, there are other times when it's smart to wash your hands as well. Like when, Mitzi? Well, like after you handle any raw meat or fish. Raw meat can have something on it called bacteria. These bacteria, they're like germs, little tiny things that could make you sick if you eat them. So cooking raw meat gets rid of all the harmful bacteria? That's right! But if we touch raw chicken, we might get some of that bacteria on our hands. And so even if we cook that chicken to perfection, if we touch our mouth or our face or other foods after handling the raw meat, you could still get sick. Are there other foods that might have bacteria? Yes, raw eggs sometimes do as well. So you always wash your hands after touching raw eggs, like when I make scrambled eggs or use them in baking. And to be honest, it's always okay to wash your hands when you cook. If they get sticky, after you cough or sneeze, or really anytime you might want to wash your hands, you should feel welcome to. That's great advice, Mitzi. You really are a safety expert. Thank you. Safety is so important, especially in the kitchen. We've learned the kitchen is filled with fun and fantastical sides of food, but there are also lots of stuff we need to be careful with and learn how to use properly. I totally rocked Tricky Trivia this week. So, is that true or false, Molly? True. Absolutely true, Mitzi. Great job. Oh, thanks, Molly. Ah, I was so nervous, but I didn't let that stop me. Preparing ahead of time and practicing certainly helped. And uh, all the times we got to play on the show with you, that, that really helped me too. I'm so glad, Mitzi. Let's check back in on our pasta dish, and we'll hear from you again later. Thanks, Mitzi. Bye! Tell Zoe I said hi! So you should have these onions smelling pretty wonderful. Let's check back in with Zoe in the recipe lab and see how they're looking on our end. You want to tell me a little bit about what these onions look like? They're a little softened, right? They're yeah. not as crispy as they were when we put them in. So what we're going to do now is add the garlic that you chopped up and stir it around and let it cook for about 30 seconds. It's going to start to really release the smell as you cook it. You can hear it starting to pop and sizzle. Mm -hmm. I love adding garlic to a pot. It smells so good, makes really good sounds. So stir it right up in with those onions. You can definitely smell the garlic and the onion if you get close enough. It smells amazing. That is one big pot of alliums. All right, now what's next? Now is the big add of the tomatoes. Dun, dun, okay, so here's our big can. I'm going to hand it to you and just pour it right in there. It's going to make some good sounds and steam a little bit. That is such a fun noise. Blop, blop, blop. I like the sizzling. Great, so stir it up. Now the sizzling's like, it's it's completely stopped and now you just hear like the shlorp of the tomato sauce and the garlic and the onions. Okay, we're also gonna add the sugar at this point. Make the tomato sauce a little sweeter. Exactly, throw it right in there. So we have turned the heat down to medium low and we're gonna let this simmer for 10 minutes. So, Everyone at home, you can stand at the stove and stir it occasionally. 
<laughs> so we just let a massive blob of tomato fall over the edge. We're laughing, but that's good. You can do that too. There's a lot of messes to be made in the kitchen. Um, stirring occasionally, stir gently, uh, and then listen to our next segment and we'll rejoin you in 10 minutes. While you let the sauce simmer, let's go to our next segment. Up next, we have a special edition of Ask a Grown-Up. Our friend Chad is here with Afton Cyrus. Afton is a senior editor at America's Test Kitchen Kids, and she helps develop and test recipes for our kids' cookbooks. Take it away, Chad. Thanks, Molly. Today, I'm talking to Afton Cyrus. Afton, can I get you to introduce yourself for us, please? Hi, Chad. Yes, my name is Afton Cyrus, and I am a senior editor for America's Test Kitchen Kids. As a senior editor for ATK Kids, I wear a few different hats, but my main one is that I develop recipes for kids to cook at home. So I work in the kitchen at America's Test Kitchen, and I write recipes that will go in cookbooks and in our Young Chefs Club. So what is a cookbook? A cookbook is basically a how-to guide for how to cook a recipe from start to finish. I think that one of the things grown-ups and I love about cookbooks is that they're beautiful. They have beautiful photography and they sort of transport you to a different place. A great cookbook can be like a map or an atlas or an encyclopedia to a place that you've never been before. Afton, what do you love the most about working on a new recipe? I think working on a recipe is like working on a puzzle. You have all of these different pieces like ingredients and cooking method, and you have to make them all fit together. So I really love the challenge of trying to figure out piece by piece what's going to work and what's not going to work. And I like experimenting. I like trying something out that might seem like a wacky, wild, crazy idea, and sometimes being surprised when it works, but also being okay when it definitely doesn't work. Does it often not quite work on the first time? Oh, it never works on the first time. (laughs) I find that I have to sometimes make a recipe 10 times, 12 times, 20 times, 50 times to get it totally right. So I get to fail every day at my job, but in a way that helps me learn from my mistakes. So how did you learn how to cook? So I mostly learned how to cook starting when I was a teenager. My mom actually subscribed to Cook's Illustrated magazine, which is part of America's Test Kitchen. And so I would read the magazine when it came in the mail. And I was really fascinated by the food science that I found there and the explanations of why these recipes worked. And I would try them. And what do you find people are looking for in a recipe? What do people want to make? Oh, anything sweet. Those are usually our most popular recipes. I think kids and grown-ups love to make cookies and cakes. But I'll let you in on a little secret. On our team... Our favorite dishes are anything that has cheese. I love cheese recipes myself. And I love sweet recipes, too. Do you know any sweet cheese recipes? Oh, there are definitely sweet cheese recipes. If you've ever had a cheese danish, that's a sweet cheese recipe. Or maybe a cheesecake? Oh, cheesecake for sure. Afton, if you could give our young chefs one suggestion for how to have fun in the kitchen, what would you tell them? 
Well, the first thing is you need a good soundtrack in the kitchen. So you need to make sure that you've got some tunes on and that your kitchen feels like a fun place where you want to spend some time. Well, once you've got your music on, I would say that you should just start with something that excites you. Find a recipe in a book or online that you're really excited about, something that you can't wait to taste. And then find someone to share that food with because the best part of cooking is cooking for other people and sharing that food together. Afton, thank you so much for talking to us today. You are so welcome, Chad. I'm happy to talk about recipes anytime. Back to you, Molly. Thanks, Chad. And thank you, Afton. If you want to try some of the recipes Afton has developed, be sure to pick up a copy of my first cookbook, wherever books are sold. All right, we are about halfway done on this sauce. Let's check back in with Zoe and see how things are looking. And more importantly, smelling with our sauce in the recipe lab. How's your stirring arm, Zoe? Tired. We are halfway through our sauce simmering. What does it look like? What are you smelling? What are you seeing? Tell me everything. You can definitely smell a lot more of the tomatoes and the onions and the garlic. And it's bubbling much more. Yeah, exactly. It smells delicious and it's looking really good. Me again, back in the studio. Your sauce still has a little while to go, so we have time for another segment. I think Mitzi was hanging out in the pantry here at the studio last time I checked. I bet she's still in there. Let's see. So Mitzi, I think we have a few minutes in between steps in our recipe. I figured we could recap some of... Uh, Mitzi? Safety pancakes, safety pancakes, safety pancakes. Safety pancakes, safety pancakes, safety pancakes. Huh, you are fast asleep there. I wonder what oven mitts dream about. True or false? True or false? So, Molly, is that... So, Molly. So, Molly. True or false? Molly, which one is it? Ugh, too aggressive. Calm it down there, Mitzi. I know, Oliver. I would never yell at Molly like that. I was just practicing. That's why you practice. Because sometimes you try something out, take risks, make mistakes. Listen, not everyone's as naturally talented at public speaking as you are, Oliver. Some people have to work... Mitzi? Mitzi? Whoa! You must be our friend and producer, Chad, from Ask a Grown-Up. Mitzi, were you asleep? Everyone is going to be here soon. Is the food ready? Do you need any help? Um, help? Uh, yes. Yes, thank you. The food. Am I cooking something? Normally, that's, uh, that's not really my strong suit. Mitzi, tonight is our mystery recipe celebration. There are almost a million people coming over for dinner tonight, and they're going to be here soon. Okay, a million people here for dinner. That sounds great. I love guests. Listen, I have to go grease up the t-shirt cannons and make sure we have enough aprons for the obstacle course, but please just get cooking on the mystery recipe for everyone. I'm on it. Let's find the recipe. Uh, Ah, found it. Here we go. Mystery recipe serves four. Well, let's just multiply everything by 1,000. Okay, step one. Chop one onion, mince garlic. So that just means chop 1,000 onions. Yikes. 
Well, I guess the only thing to do is to start chopping. One, two... Three hours later. 999. I'm not emotional, Oliver. It's just the sulfur. 1,000. Okay. Maybe I am also emotional. <laughs> okay. Great. Step two. Saute onions. No problem, except... Big problem. We have way too many onions. This little pan won't do it. Here you go, Mitzi. It is a swimming pool-sized pan to saute those onions. Thank you. Uh, let's just start shoveling these in here, I guess. Today, I'm here with Mitzi, Molly's right-hand gal and assistant in the recipe lab, here to talk about what it's like to cook for one million people. Mitzi, can I get you to introduce yourself, please? What? Who are you talking to? And how does being an oven mitt affect your work on the show? I mean, I don't know. Great. Don't forget the tomatoes. Tomatoes? Right. Let's, uh, let's see what the recipe says here. Core five giant tomatoes. Mitzi, Mitzi, are you almost ready? How's the recipe coming along? Gah! It's a nightmare, Molly! It's okay. Is it in the oven? But step away from the oven, Molly! You're not even wearing an oven mitt! You need an oven mitt, Molly! Ah! You need a... Oh, Molly. My head's... Oh, the safety officer, Molly. Don't do that. Molly. Mitzi, Mitzi, wake up. Ah, what? Molly, you were going to, and you didn't have an oven mitt, and... It was just a dream, Mitzi. We're still right in the middle of the cook-along. Ah, it was just a dream. Phew, I should have known. You know better than not to use an oven mitt. Sounded like quite the nightmare. It really was. Chad was there, and Oliver... Oh, it can't be a nightmare if Oliver's there. That's true. He's just an angel. Well, I better get back to the cook-along. Thanks, Mitzi. Golly, Molly. Thanks for checking in. Enjoy the pasta. Ugh, there's no place like the recipe lab. Goodbye, Molly! Well, that wasn't exactly what I had planned for that segment, but it was fun nonetheless. Let's check back in with Zoe in the recipe lab, and we'll talk you through the next step in your recipe. We're back. It's been 10 minutes. How's the sauce looking now, Zoe? Very bubbly and sizzly and smells great. Yeah, it looks like it's reduced or there's less of it now because you've cooked it down. Definitely. So that means all the water is evaporating from the sauce and it's the flavor is getting nice and concentrated and delicious. The water is definitely evaporating. I mean, you can see the steam coming off of it. Exactly. All right, so the next step is to add the pasta right to the pot. So we're not cooking this pasta in boiling water, which is normally how one would cook pasta. We're going to cook the pasta directly in the sauce, which is super easy. All you need to do is pour the pasta right in there. All right, here you go. So now stir it up so the pasta gets nice and coated in there. And then we're also going to add the three cups of water that you measured out there's not quite enough sauce to totally cook the pasta, but with the extra water, as the pasta cooks, it's going to soak it all up, and the pasta is going to be super flavorful and nice and tender. 
grown-ups, you can help pour the water in if it's too heavy for your young chefs so you don't spill. Perfect. Now we're going to increase the heat to medium-high, so get this boiling again, a little rolling boil, and we're going to cook, stirring often, so not continuously, but make sure nothing's sticking to the bottom, for 16 to 18 minutes. You're going to want to stir for about 10 seconds every minute or so, so listen out for this sound. That's our fancy stir bell. Whenever you hear the stir bell, remember to stir for about 10 seconds. Be sure to scrape the bottom of the pot as you stir. We don't want any pasta to get stuck. All right, while you wait, it's time for our next segment. Adelina is back with another round of The Scoop, and she's heading to the same place where it all began. Take it away, Adelina. Thanks, Molly. Today, I'm talking to our final ingredient in this season's mystery recipe. I'm back at the supermarket where it all began. This season, we've talked to prehistoric minerals, local produce, and culinary superstars. It's been quite a ride, but the ingredient we've saved for last really packs a punch. Let's just see if I can find him. Hello, Glenn. Are you Glenn Garlic? Well, well, well. Look who it is. Hi, I'm Adelina from The Scoop. Oh, I know who you are. Oh, well, I'm coming to see if I can... You spoke with my cousin, Annie Allium. Oh, Annie's your cousin? Yes. Garlic and onions are related. We're very close. Well, I was just coming to see if I could interview you for The Scoop with Adelina. And why would you want to do that? Is it Garlic Week? Oh no, that's right. There was no Garlic Week. Funny how that worked out, huh? I'm sorry. Are you upset? Upset? (laughs) Oh no. Um, It's fine. I mean, everyone else gets their own week, but it's fine. What is there to be upset about? Okay, good. It's just funny. (laughs) It's funny that you'd come by and try to interview me is all. I was practicing, you know, sort of rehearsing what I'd want to talk about until I realized there would be no Garlic Week. (laughs) But it's fine. Well, I'm here now. What is this for, like, some kind of bonus content? Well, I was hoping to talk to you about the grand finale, but I can see you're upset, so I'll just... Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. (laughs) The finale? Yep. We were going to run your interview during our cook-along, but if you're feeling bitter... I'm naturally bitter, honey. That just comes with the territory. Sit. Make yourself comfortable. Mm, The finale. Oh, how exciting is that? Are they cooking right now? Yeah. So I don't have too much time left. Well, let's get right into it. Hello. I'm Glenn Garlic, but you can call me Glenn. Nice to meet you, Glenn. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Well, let's see. Where do I start? I'm a bit of an old soul. I consider myself a classic. Oh. Why do you say that? Well, I've been around, honey. And I've been playing the game since it started. Asia, Iran, ancient Egypt. I'm a bit of an everyman. An everyman? 
Oh, yes. I've been in many dishes for centuries. I'm very relatable. They're just like us, as they say. <laughs> Who is? With the stars, they're just like us, us weekly. Little out of touch for a journalist, but it's fine. Let's move on. What else do you want to know? Maybe you can tell me a little bit about your clothes. What? This old thing? <laughs> it's a peel, really. Kind of dry and itchy, but it gives me a great layered look. No, sorry, not clothes. Clothes. Oh, Oh, sure. <laughs> Start with the basics. I like that. So I'm what's called a head of garlic, and I'm made up of a bunch of individual cloves. They're small, curved pieces that all fit together like a perfect little puzzle to make me just marvelous. It's almost like a flower. A flower has petals. I have cloves. Petals, cloves, fabulous, me. <laughs> this is fun. Okay, what else? What else? What else? Uh, let's see. I hope this isn't a sensitive subject, but I wanted to ask you about... Vampires. Yeah. So, not a sensitive question, but thanks for checking first. So, with the whole vampire thing, it's just like... <laughs> You get to be as big as garlic, and you're bound to get roped up in some kind of pop culture something eventually. Vampires hating garlic is a rumor that started as soon as the whole vampire thing first really took off. Oh, really? Yes. Have you heard of Bram Stoker? He wrote Dracula, the most famous vampire pre-Edward Cullen. He wrote in the whole vampires hating garlic bit right from the start, which was cool at first, I guess. But vampires are super in right now. It's making us look bad. Everyone loves vampires. They aren't the bad guys anymore. Wish everyone could just get over it, you know? <laughs> well, it sounds like you're kind of bitter about that, too. Oh, I'm bitter about everything. But there's a lot to be bitter about these days. Can you tell our listeners what the word bitter means? Oh, sure, sure. In cooking, it means having a sort of sharp, pungent taste. Almost the opposite of sweet. Would you say garlic is bitter? Well, I'd say raw garlic is bitter. As well as sharp, aromatic, and handsome. But cooked garlic definitely isn't bitter. Unless you burn it. Which, please don't, because I'm a Scorpio and won't ever forget it. But if we're talking about feeling bitter, that's sort of the negative feeling you have when you think something is unfair. Like how I'm bitter about there being no garlic week in season one. <laughs> well, is that really unfair or do you just think it is? Some ingredients might think it's unfair that you get to be featured in the finale. Sometimes things are actually unfair. And so everyone feels bitter from time to time, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're feeling bitter all the time, maybe things aren't as unfair as you think. Go on. Well, a lot of the time, we think about things from only our own point of view. But when I put myself in your shoes, I can imagine how there being no garlic week would make you sad. If you put yourself in my shoes, you might see things a different way. I wanted to save a super fun interview for the finale. 
When we take a step back and try to think about all the reasons why something is happening, it might not seem unfair. Well, well, taking a step back is hard. And feeling bitter is easy. Feeling bitter might be easy, but it's not always helpful. If you had stayed bitter, we wouldn't have had this interview. And you'd have never been on the show. Huh. I guess that's a pretty good point. And I'm glad we did get to talk, because you're super fun to talk to and will make the perfect addition to our grand finale. Me? Grand? No! Okay, (laughs) you're right. I'll try to be a little less bitter, but I'm not trying on anyone else's shoes. That just sounds gross. Well, that's all the time we have for today's scoop. You've heard it here first, folks. Garlic is made up of cloves. Putting yourself in someone's shoes can be helpful. And vampires are super in right now. Back to you, Molly. So I was thinking for season two, garlic bread. I mean, there's not that many ingredients. Thank you, Adelina. Now let's check in with Zoe and see how our pasta's cooking. All right, Zoe, how is it looking? It's a bit bubbly, and um, the pasta is a little less stiff, and it's turned a darker brown than, like, the pale yellow color it was when we started. The pasta? Yeah, the pasta. And what, what's the sauce looking like? It looks a little more, like, smooth than like when we were stirring the sauce at first. And so it's probably a little more watery. Well, you still have a little ways to go. So let's hand things back over to Chad for another interview. This time we're talking to L. Simone Scott. Elle is a producer, test cook, and food stylist here at America's Test Kitchen. She is also the founder of the mentoring organization, SheChef. Take it away, Chad. Thanks, Molly. Today, I'm talking to Elle Simone Scott. Uh, Elle, can I ask you to introduce yourself for us, please? Hi, I'm Elle Simone Scott. I'm from Detroit, Michigan. I'm a New York native before coming to Boston. I work for America's Test Kitchen. I'm a food stylist and an overall lover of food. Great. So before we even talk about food styling, what is a stylist? What does a stylist do? A stylist's job is to make something look beautiful for people who usually buy that product. It could be food, it could be clothes, um, it could be toys. Our job is to make it look appealing so that you will want someone to bring it home to you. Uh, That sounds like fun. So if a stylist is someone that makes something look nice, how would you describe what a food stylist does? A food stylist makes food look good so that the person who's going to cook it feels like they can be successful at making that meal. Not only successful in making it look beautiful, but also making it taste beautiful. So in the same way that people who are going to appear on TV get their hair and makeup done, you get to do the sort of beautifying for the food that appears on TV as well in a way that you wouldn't necessarily do at a restaurant. This is something special for food that's going to be filmed or photographed. That's exactly right. And they actually get about the same amount of attention. So what types of food do you style? 
I style all types of food. I've styled cereal. I style eggs, sandwiches. I've even styled popcorn. (laughs) What does it mean to style popcorn? Well, sometimes when you pop popcorn, you get really big, fluffy kernels. And then sometimes when you pop popcorn, you you get some not so pretty kernels. So my job is to make sure all the ones that get in the photo or on camera are the most beautiful, fluffy kernels you've ever seen. So this isn't something where you're sort of making it look better than it's going to come out, right? I've seen some tricks where you put glue instead of cereal milk or different things that won't actually be in the recipe. Uh, How is that different from what you do with America's Test Kitchen? Well, at America's Test Kitchen, we don't use any fake ingredients or any enhancing ingredients for the recipes. We use all food and everything is edible it is very important that we make sure that people who are looking at our food are seeing the same things that they will make when they do the recipe at home. That's nice. So a lot of chefs maybe specialize in a certain type of food, but it sounds like you need to be prepared to help out with whatever the recipe is. That's very true. And that's actually the most exciting part about my job. People always ask me, well, what do you cook? And I can honestly say I cook everything. It sounds like you would have to be quite the chef in order to jump into just about whatever is being made. I think it actually just requires a little bit more bravery than super skills. You know, I think if you feel confident and you feel brave and if you're curious, I think that's really what makes you a good chef. Let's talk a little bit about what you do outside of America's Test Kitchen. I heard that you founded a company called She Chef. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. She Chef is an organization that I created to help young women who were interested in culinary arts. It's really just a kind of a club where we support each other. We talk about different opportunities like internships, and we just support each other and help to reach our goals. So Elle, when did you know that you wanted to become a chef? You know, I think I wanted to be a chef my whole life, but When I graduated from high school, I did not see any women chefs that looked like me. I didn't really see any chefs that were African-American, at least not on television. So I didn't really see anyone that looked like me, and I don't know that I felt sure that I could do the job. So I didn't become a chef right away. But after some years um, and Becoming more mature and feeling more courageous, I decided to pursue cooking as a career and it's been the best thing that I've ever done. We've also talked a lot about confidence, Uh, being confident as a food stylist and being confident in order to do what you want to do. Where does your confidence come from? I think my confidence is something that has been built over time. You know, I wasn't always confident. As a teenager, I often felt very different, very awkward. Um, I think most young people go through that time in life, and I think it's normal. I think that when we're not feeling our most confident, we have a tendency to feel really bad about that. But I think that it's a great opportunity for us to just lean into that feeling, accept it, maybe look at it, and figure out how can we move beyond this space? What can we do to make ourselves feel more safe or more secure? Maybe it's talking to our parents. Maybe it's talking to friends. Maybe it's talking to a counselor or a big brother or a big sister. But these are great ways to kind of navigate through uncertain spaces and find certainty for yourself. 
Elle, thank you so much for talking to us today. This was such a fun conversation. Thanks. I had a great time. I love talking about food styling. If any young chefs or their grown-ups want to learn more about SheChef, where can they go to get that information? You can find our page on Facebook. It's SheChef INC. Thanks, Chad. And thanks to Elle Simone Scott as well. Grownups, if you want to hear more from Elle, you can check out her new podcast, The Walk-It, coming soon to wherever you get your podcasts. And with that, your pasta is just about done. This is another part that might be a little different for everyone, though. We say 16 to 18 minutes because it's not exactly the same every time. So have your grown-up help you check and see when your pasta is ready by trying a piece of pasta. That's the best way to know if pasta is done cooking. Carefully have your grown-up take a piece of pasta from the pot with a wooden spoon and blow on it first because it is very hot. Give it a taste and see if it's tough and chewy or if it's soft and ready to eat. Go ahead and pause here and hit play once your pasta is ready and your stovetop is turned off. Let's check in with Zoe and see how hers came out. Smells good. Wow, that really does smell good. Do you know what this means? We're ready to go. We're ready to eat some pasta. All right, let's serve it up. All right, so this pasta is ready to go. I'm gonna turn the heat off on the stove. And while we let it sit for a second, we're gonna get our toppings ready, which are basil and Parmesan cheese. While you let that sit for a moment, I wanna give you some tips to help you prep your final few ingredients. If you have any leftover olive oil, feel free to give it a quick drizzle across the top of your pasta. It will give it a nice little boost of flavor. Not too much though. It's time for cheese. I like to grate a bunch of cheese ahead of time and then each person in my family can grab some when they're making their plate. There's all types of ways for you to do this. You might have a microplane or a flat cheese grater or maybe your cheese is already grated. If you're using a block of Parmesan, you may want to use a box grater to grate it. You can start by grabbing the edge of your cheese block. Be sure to keep your fingers away from the sharp grater. Now run the edge of this block across the large holes of the cheese grater, up and down until you have a small pile of fresh grated parm ready to sprinkle on your pasta. Next up is basil. With this, you're gonna use the chiffonade technique that we learned about in Basil Week. You're going to stack a few basil leaves, one on top of the other. Once they're stacked, you're gonna roll them up, like a burrito or a sleeping bag. You're just stacking these basil leaves, one on top of the other, and rolling them up tight. Now you're going to make thin slices going straight across the rolled up basil leaves the short way. And that's called a chiffonade. Go ahead and give it a try. You won't need too much, just a bit to sprinkle on top. We won't distract you while you're using a knife. So here's some chiffonading music. And with that, you've done it. You are ready to enjoy season one's mystery recipe, one pot pasta. Grab a ladle, fill up your bowl, 
Add some parm if you want and a sprinkle of basil. So the pasta is ready. We're ready to serve it up. We have our Parmesan cheese and our basil. You can use the ladle to put your pasta in as many serving dishes as you need, depending on how many people are going to eat and enjoy. Let's eat. Well, we won't keep you from enjoying the delicious recipe any longer. Thanks for joining us for our first season of Mystery Recipe and for participating in our first ever cook-along. We want to see how it went. Feel free to have your grown-ups send us a picture of your pasta dish to mysteryrecipe at americastestkitchen.com. Or they can post it on Instagram, tagging Test Kitchen Kids, or using the hashtag ATKKids. From everyone here on Team Mystery Recipe, we hope you enjoy your meal and keep on cooking. All right, we're ready to go. It looks so good. Yeah. Grown-ups, if you and your young chef loved Mystery Recipe, then we want to hear from you. If you take our quick five-minute survey, we'll have a coupon for you for 20% off at the ATK shop. Just head to the link in our show notes. It goes a long way to support our show. You can just use your fingers and add some Parmesan cheese and a little bit of basil. And the pretty little ribbons. So pretty. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I'm a chef's hat. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is an apron covered in flour. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a trusty wooden spoon. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio, the cutting board. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme song. He's the timer on your microwave. Our post-production supervisor is Hen Margolis, a measuring cup. Our production manager is Diane Knox, who is also our grocery list. Jack Bishop is the Chief Creative Officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's the oven. David Nussbaum is our CEO and our favorite cookbook. Special thanks to our Senior Science Editor, Paul Adams, our Deputy Editor, Kristen Sargianis, and Editorial Assistant, Katie O'Hara. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan, Adelina Rodriguez, and Aaron Marshall-Bob. Special thanks to Afton Cyrus and L. Simone Scott. Our interview with Afton was produced by Carly Campuzano. Our first season wouldn't have been possible without help from Caroline Rickert, Sarah Joyner, and Yorgos Sivernitsis, Susanna McFerrin, Andrea Vavjin, Sarah Young, Sarah Damaris, Sara Domville, and the Bates family. Special thanks to Palace, Kevin, Isabel, and Alex at the PRX Podcast Garage in Boston. Thanks again to our sponsor, Purdue. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts. And we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win.